today we're starting a new series called Unlikely. So we'll take the next six weeks uh, and, and talk about people in the Bible and try to learn from their lives. And I've titled it Unlikely because a lot of times we think these guys were super saints or super spiritual or had, had some, some hold on some spiritual truth. And in reality, they were just like us. They were very normal. They made some real mistakes. Some of them made bigger mistakes than others. And yet God, by his grace and his goodness, chose to use them. And we can learn about each one. And so just as we start, I, I want that to be the context or that to kind of be the undergirding that we're preaching from, as if these guys were not perfect. They, they didn't have it all together. They, they were unlikely, yet in their unlikeliness, God used them in an amazing way. And Noah's story uh, is, is, is probably the one I want to talk to you this morning, is probably, it is, it's in that same vein. And here it is summed up in Hebrews chapter 11. The main story is in Genesis chapter 6. And, and again, as way of introduction, I just want you to say that every person that we study, Noah and Samson and Mary next week, and, and we'll talk about Elijah, they are not the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is God's love and redemption of mankind. That's the theme. That's the overarching story. But in the story are stories of men and women just like us that we can learn from. And so, and so the writer of Hebrews said, by faith, Noah... When warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. And, and, and I, the, the question I ask is, why Noah? I mean, many of us know the story, but, but let me give you three points. If you're following along, you can go to our Bible app. It's on the Bible, uh, the Bible app. You go to events, Clover Hill. There's these main points, and then you can fill in whatever you want to. Or you can write things down. Here's why I think Noah influenced and impacted the, the, the region, the, the, the time that he lived. His culture was corrupt, yet he remained righteous. His culture was corrupt, yet he remained righteous. And I, I don't want you, again, I don't want you to think he was perfect. Noah did some, he got drunk one time. Noah did some really silly, stupid things. But yet his heart was always to please God. His heart was always to serve God. And I know we live in a very tough culture spiritually today. It's very hard remaining pure where, there's, where sex is selling everything. It's very hard to, to stay together as a couple when, 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 when commitments are being made light of. We live in a culture that's very challenging to live for Jesus. But I want you to know this. The first century was much harder. The first century was much more challenging. There was no one in Noah's generation who feared or loved God. The Bible says every man's heart was bent towards evil. Every person had an inclination to do wrong. There was no church to be a part of. There was no small group to lean on. It was a culture that was very ungodly, very uncommitted. It was, it was a very, yet in the midst of that, Noah somehow remained, remained righteous. He just, he just lived for God. And again, I know living in our day can be hard to be pure and to live right and to honor Christ. But it's not impossible. If Noah could do it, we can do it. Noah was just like we are. Noah had struggles. Noah had temptations. Yet by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, he was able to remain righteous in an ungodly culture. Well, how did he even do that? I think, one, he understood that he was to heed God's warning. He was, he was to follow God's command. Here, here's what our, our scripture says. Noah, when warned about things not seen, in holy fear built an ark. God, 
God in his grace and God in his goodness, he warns us. He, he tells us things to do and not to do. He said, you know, flee from sexual immorality. He'll, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't, I mean, all kind of, don't let anger take a root in your spirit or in your heart. Don't live as unwise, but be wise in these last days because the generation, it's evil. I mean, there's these, all kind of these commands. And, and sometimes if we're not careful, we think that God is a killjoy and God is just a bunch of lists and rules and regulations. And when, when in reality, he's not wanting to hinder us, he's wanting to help us. He's not wanting to hold us back. He's wanting to move us forward. He wants, he wants to protect us. Even if you go way back to Exodus and you find where God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments. Remember, they were those ten rules, those ten regulations, those ten things to adhere to and walk after. But if you just take them, you think, well, God is just, I mean, he's just giving us a bunch of lists. But if you look at Exodus chapter 19, you'll find the context. And in that chapter, God tells Moses, he says, look, Moses, you, you, you know that I've been faithful to you guys, and I've, I've led you out of Egypt, and I've provided for you in the desert, and I've, I've taken you, I've fought your battles. I, 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 I went before you. I've been faithful when you've not been faithful. I've been good where I had no business being good to you, even in your obstinance and your rebellion and your, your turning toward from me. I kept turning towards you. I continually pursued you. In fact, I was like an eagle that watched over its nest of little eaglets, and, and, and I would go get food for you. And that was the illustration. That was the picture that, that God had Moses to paint to the Israelites. And then he said, and he gave that list of Ten Commandments, and, and, and he said, put me first. And it wasn't like, put me first. It was, put me first, because when you get me, when you don't put me first, everything else in your life gets out of whack. And I don't want your life to be out of whack. I want it to be, I want it to be in alignment of my will. And, 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 and you know why he says flee from sexual immorality? Because I don't want you involved in that mess. Because, because it will, you think it's going to fulfill you, but in reality it's going to cause more problems and more issues. Hey, take one day a week and just rest. You're not Superman. You're not a superhero. I want you to last for the long haul. And I know you think you can work seven days a week and you need to make all the money you can. But there's something, there's wisdom in taking a time off to reflect and step back and to get with the people of God and refresh. I'm not trying to steal from you. I'm just trying to make you better. And, and, and hey, don't surround your life with people that aren't. That are, I mean, don't make your closest friends the people that aren't doing life right be, because it's just going to get, it's going to cause you problems. And, and don't be jealous and don't envious because that'll just get you all messed up. You just cultivate an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving because that's the person that has the most joy and, and, and does the, and really experiences the peace like, like no other. So he gives these commands not out of a, man, you got to stop, you got to quit, you got to don't. No, I, I remember when Emily got her license, and, uh, and you, you've done it, you're a parent, you've done it. Emily, don't, put, don't talk on the phone, put it in the, put it in the glove box. Once you get in the car, don't, don't answer a text, don't even look at it. Set the radio dial or whatever you have in there, CD, put it, and then as you drive, don't, don't mess with it anymore. Both hands on the wheel, 10 and 2. Make sure you're focused. Don't be looking around. I don't want you having people in the back seat until you get some experience. I, I want, don't, don't go too fast. Don't, don't, don't cross lanes too. I mean, you just think about it. It's just a list of rules. 
And she just feels off. Well, Dad, you don't care. You just did. It ain't even fun to drive. No, she, she knows in our context that I love her and I want what's best for her and I don't want her to die. I don't want her making a decision that's going to cause consequences that, that are going to affect her life forever. And so, baby, by the best of your ability, you need to do this. You need to follow this in the context of love. And that's what God was trying to do with Noah. Noah, I want to warn you. And I'm telling, when God warns you, you can stiff arm him and say, oh, you're just a killjoy. You don't know what you're talking about. Or you can say, God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. You, you know what's best. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take heed to those warnings. And I'm going to stay away from those situations you tell me to. Not so that my life can be less than, so that my life can be better. You know what Noah also did? He walked with God. That's a familiar phrase that we see throughout the Word of God of people, men and women, that had a close relationship with God. They walked with God. And, and uh, Enoch walked with God 300 years. I know we live a, they lived a lot longer there, but there was something just about walking with God. And when I think about walking, Angie and I like to go on walks in the evening, and, and, and it's not normally for exercise. It's for our relationship. With Emily, keep, Noah, keep Micah, we're going to go for a walk. We're, we're going to spend some time together. It leaves the, we leave our phone behind. We leave the TV behind, obviously. We don't tote that around a while. We leave everything behind, and, and, and it's, it's about building a relationship. And I, want you, I, I just want you to know, if you're going to live righteous in an ungodly culture, you're going to have to walk with God. You're going to have to spend time with God out of a desire to know Him more. And that cannot happen if you're not spending time in God's Word. And I don't, I'm not trying to condemn you or heap more things on you. I'm trying to bless you. I'm trying to help you this morning. But this is a way that a young man, the psalmist said, this is how you keep your life pure, by, by spending time in God's word. And, and for some, that means, you know, a chapter a day. For others, that might mean a devotion that you read and that you glean from. Whatever it means for you, you've got to participate, you've got to Begin to discipline where you're spending time in God's word on a regular basis. And don't read for distance. Don't read for distance. Read for depth. Don't, don't read for information. Read for application. How does this make me better? Find a verse that you've read. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Allow it to sink into your heart and to your spirit. You've got to, sp- if you're going to walk with God, and Angie and I, that's one of the high, especially in the spring and the fall, it's one of the highlights of our day where we can just, Detox, get to know one another again. Share our day. Share what's going on. You've got to spend time together. And, and, the, and the way that we spend time with God is in his word. I would also encourage you to spend time in prayer. And then you say, well, I've tried it before and I don't know what to say. And, and I just feel like I'm saying the same thing. Let, let me give you a, an acrostic that I've been practicing for a very long time. And I've taught this before. For some, it'll be a reminder. But, it, but it's so, I think it's, it's so practical as we try to pray. And I just use the acrostic act. And so I'll begin with adoration. Lord, I bless you. I thank you. God, you're a great God. I will, I will put on worship music. And I will just spend time, just a few minutes. It's not, I mean, some people say, well, you got to do it an hour. If you, Ten minutes is better than nothing. Whatever, whatever, you start just carving out time. And you're, if it's going down the road on your way to work, turn off the radio for and put on some worship music. And just begin to bless him and praise him. It does something for your heart. It helps you realize that there is a God and you're not him. It gets you in right posture with God. And then you go, this is what I do. You can do whatever, but if this helps, yeah, I go to confession. And some of us will stay here a lot longer than others. But depending on 
where you're at, but, but if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Again, it's just about getting right with God. Lord, I'm sorry for my attitude. Lord, forgive me for what I said to Angie and how I treated the kids and how I kicked the dog. Whatever it is, it's just confession. And then T is thanksgiving. And so again, I just, I'm, I'm just cultivating a heart of gratitude. And I'm, and I'm thanking him that he has forgiven me. And I'm thanking him that he's worthy of my praise. Because in all circumstances, I'm going to give God thanks. And so I spend some time there. And then I go into supplication or making my request known to God. And so Emily took the SAT yesterday. And so Friday, I was praying, God, give her grace. Give her strength. Help her. Bring back to her memory. Don't let her. Help her not to take tests like I took tests. Help her to do good. Zachary's getting home from college this week. God, protect him as he tries. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever the situation is, that's why I pray for you. That's why I pray for this service. I just make my request known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, is I've done this and now it begins to guard my heart and my mind. Okay, God, you're in charge, you're in control. And I just encourage you to do that. Noah, how did he live righteous in an unrighteous culture? He just walked with God. He spent time with God's word. And here's what I would say. Noah didn't have this. We have the benefit of this. You need to be in church. And you're here, so I think maybe I'm speaking to the choir, but what we're doing this morning is important. It, it, it matters in a world that tries to beat you up and give you messages that, I mean, the media, the shows that we are on TV, the, the things that, that, that are activity, many of them just by nature draw you away from God. And you need a refocus point. You need a, you need a reflective time. You need a time where you can come together with the people of God and, and gather together and, and worship and learn and grow and, and encourage one another. That what you're doing is important. They tell us today, that the average church attender, not the average Christian, the, a- the person, yes, we go to church. The average goes three out of eight Sundays, 37.5% of the time. And I mean, God, God created this. He created the, the church, and, and, and it's not the building. It's the people. It's what we do. It's the worship. It's the experience. It's connecting with him. If you're going to walk with God, this needs to be a priority. If you're going to walk with God, you... Small groups, I think, are so vital because as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You weren't meant to walk alone. You were meant to do it with somebody else. That's why it's so, it's when I go to Panera and I see our little groups that are stationed around the, the store and they've got their Bible open up and they're digging in. Or if I go to Cracker Barrel and I see men that are standing around, that are sitting around the word of God and they've got their head bowed and they're praying for one another. Or wherever it is, we gain strength in that. We gain, we gain hope in that. There's, there's value in that. And, and, and I just, I just, if you'll give it a shot. If you'll make church priority a commitment, if you'll spend time in God's word, and then you're going to mess up. And if you don't do it every day, then don't say, well, I'll just quit because I can't keep a commitment. Just get back into it and, and begin to develop a routine and a discipline and a habit. If you'll spend time in worship, if you'll get connected to a small group, I, I, can, I can almost promise you, walking with Jesus will make your life better. And it'll make you better at life. You'll be a better husband. You'll be a better wife. You'll be a better employee. You'll be a better parent. You'll be a better steward. It just just makes you better. Not easier, but it makes you better. Noah walked with God. In a culture that was unrighteous, he was righteous because he learned to heed God's warning and to walk with him and after him. Here's the second thing. His call was unprecedented, yet he obeyed. 
build an ark, it's going to it's going to rain. That was an unprecedented task. That had never been told to anybody before. There was no rain back in Noah's day. It was the water, the ground was watered by the, by, by the mitts coming up from the earth. There was no, the closest body of water was 500, 500 miles away. And Noah gets this task by God that you need to build. It's like God coming to you and say, build a ganook, it's going to jam. And you say, what, what, build a ganook, it's going to jam. What does that mean? That's the exact thing, thing, same thing Noah was thinking. Build an ark, it's going to rain. It's just like build a ganook, it's going to jam. But here's what Noah said. Noah did everything just as the Lord had commanded him. This doesn't make sense. What do you mean a, a, a boat? The boats are at the Mediterranean. There ain't even a body of water. You want me to do it in my front yard? You want to make it a football field long and 50 yards wide, and I'm supposed to put two of each kind of animal on it? That, what, 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 there is no way, and I'm living in an unrighteous culture? What do you mean do that? Nevertheless... God, you're smarter than me. You know more than me. I'm going to do everything you commanded me. And nevertheless, to, nevertheless, save Noah and his family. He could have argued with God. He could, have, he could have fought against God. He could have stiff-armed God. But because he'd been walking with God, he was able to discern the voice of God. And because he'd been spending time with God, he knew the heart of God. Therefore, when God asked him to do an unprecedented test, he said, I'm going to do everything you tell me to do. Because you're God, nevertheless. I mean, I think about, I think about the apostle Peter, and, and before he was the apostle, he was a fisherman, and he was good at it, and he had a business doing it, he was making a living doing it, and one night he went out to fish, and they had caught nothing, and they emptied to catch it. It was just a, pretty much a wasted night, and so he gets back to shore. It's early, early in the morning, and they clean their nets, because that's what good fishermen do. They don't wait. They do it right away. They don't want the nets cracking or breaking or ripping. They, they want their equipment in good shape. So they're cleaning it. And as they're cleaning it, Jesus comes up and starts teaching. And crowds start coming in. And as the day gets longer, people, more people start coming in. So Jesus goes, Peter, get your boat. Let's, let's cast out a little bit. And I'll use the water as a PA system so that everybody can hear me. And after he gets done preaching, he tells Peter, he says, hey, let's go out a little bit further. Now, remember, Peter's been up probably by this time 36 hours straight. He's worked hard to no avail. He knows those waters. He knows the seas. He knows the best time to catch fish. He knows the equipment to use. Jesus says, hey, let's push just a little bit further out. Throw your net on the other side, and let's see what happens. And Peter, Peter could have said, there's no way. You don't know what you're talking about. Let's just go back to the dock. Let's just go back. I need some rest. But he didn't say, he said, nevertheless, Lord, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand what you're trying to do. We've worked hard and haven't caught anything. Nevertheless, at your will, whatever you say we're going to do. And they threw the, the net on the other side, and sure enough, they caught a bunch of fish that they couldn't even pull up by themselves. Nevertheless, some of us think, well, God doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm encouraging, nevertheless, God. If you said it, that's what's best for me, and I'm going to obey it. I'm going to honor it. If you've told me not to live with somebody till I get married, nevertheless, everybody else is doing it, nevertheless. If you've told me to love my wife as Christ loves the church, I don't care how it is, nevertheless, God, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to honor you at your word. You've told me to, whatever he's telling us to do in his word. I mean, I think I, I got a friend named Randy he has a restaurant, did have a restaurant called The Wharf in Nagsett, North Carolina. And, and it was, you know, he would open it up during the busy season. And they were only open about four months out the year. And that's how he made his living. And, and, and he, as he was starting the business, he felt like the Lord said to him, I don't want you to be open on Sunday. And I don't want you to serve alcohol. And I, and I, and I want you to tithe not only on the income that you allot to yourself, but I want you to tithe on the total uh, income of 
of the business, of all the, the proceeds that are made from the business. And Randy, obviously, and I would have just as well, I start to argue with God. What do you mean? It's the beach. I only have four months to work. I got to be open on Sunday. It would be financial suicide to shut down on Sunday. Don't serve alcohol. That's where I make my most money. Everybody has got to have a beer with chips and fish and beer. Is that what it is? A beer and chips and suds. I don't know. Everybody's got everybody's to drink some wine. I, got, I cannot not serve alcohol. And, and, and what do you mean tithe on the entire business? I'll be generous with what I make as an income, but God, there's no way. But then as he began to wrestle, he said, Lord, you've been faithful before. and I trust you to be faithful again. Nevertheless, it doesn't make sense. I'm going to honor you. And so he shut down on Sunday, and he didn't serve alcohol, and he tithed off of everything the business made. And, it, and, and, and when that, that restaurant has since closed because he's, he's retired and gone, but, but that re- you would have to get there an hour before it opened to get in line. From, it was open from 5 to 9, and there were, he made more money. I've seen Randy write a check for ten, one stroke, $10,000, and give it to a missionary because God had blessed him so much. And, and I, nevertheless, didn't make sense, didn't. I don't understand it, but God, you're God. Noah did everything just as the Lord had commanded him. I I remember working with a young girl that she was probably in her early 20s, and her husband wasn't saved, and and she was so discouraged, and, and, uh, you know, it's just not worth it anymore. I I, I don't even know if I can come to church anymore. I don't, don't, you know, he's just so not on board, but but she said, but I'm going to keep giving it a shot, and so she'd keep coming, and she kept praying, and she kept bringing her children, and and finally, it wasn't just a short time, but really after years and years of praying, her husband finally comes to church one Sunday. And, and on the fifth Sunday that he came, he got up from where he was standing, and he came down front, and he gave his life to, life to Jesus. And, and I, I just think about, it was one of the most rewarding days of my ministry because of this young girl that said, I'm not going to quit. Nevertheless, it's your word. I'm going to keep praying. You're not willing that any man should perish. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to live within my home with integrity, and I'm, I'm going to love my husband regardless. And now, because of that, nevertheless, they've got a family that's united, a husband that loves God, kids that grew up in the church. There, there's good things happening because she was just willing to say, nevertheless. Noah, in the midst of it, his call was unprecedented. His, 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 his task, nevertheless, Lord, I'll do what you tell me to do. Here's the last thing. His commitment was tested, yet he remained faithful. You make a commitment to the Lord, it's going to be tested. You, you, you try to do anything for God, it's going to be tested. Noah worked on the ark for 120 years. No rain. No, all he heard, he didn't hear any puddles. He didn't hear any rainfall. All he heard was condemnation. All he heard was accusation. All he heard was ridicule. All, all, he doesn't have any friends to gain strength from. He doesn't have a church family to help him out. He doesn't have a small group to encourage him. But in over the 120 years, he just keeps building. He just keeps working. He just keeps getting after it. And, and I, I think there are times where we, where we get in a situation in life or a situation in a relationship or our finances or whatever it might be, and, and, and if we're not careful, we can say, enough already, I've done what I can, I, it's been too long, I've tried too hard, it's never going to change, I'm never going to get out of this. I'm, for 120 years, Noah worked on that ark. For 120 years, he remained faithful, even though... He was tested. I'm telling you, at the end of that 120 years, he was glad that he did. Some of you are thinking, my marriage is over. 
My ma- I'm, we're just roommates. There's no intimacy. There's no romance. There's no feelings anymore. It's not even worth living. Why don't I just throw in the towel? Because I'll tell you today, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Your marriage is worth fighting for. There are going to be times in your relationship with your spouse that you're going to feel like quitting, that this isn't going to work, that we're never going to make it. But I'm encouraging you to just keep sowing into it. Keep building on it. Keep working at it. Keep, keep loving God. Keep loving her. Keep loving him. Keep keep going above and beyond. Just stay faithful, though though your commitment might be tested. Maybe maybe some of you are even here today, and, and you're you're just thinking, I don't even know why I'm doing this Jesus thing. I thought you said it'd get better, and it's just getting harder, and and, and it's just getting more difficult. I'm not getting anything out of reading the word, and it's so hard spending time in prayer. Why don't I just? I'm just going to give up, and and I would tell you today, consider it pure joy, my brethren, whenever you encounter trials of various kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith is developing something in you, and don't throw in the towel, and don't give up, because if you'll stay on the wheel as, as Christ is the potter, he will mature and complete you and help you to become all that he's ordained and all that he's destined. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been reaching out to a friend, a loved one, a son or a daughter, trying to share the love of Christ with them and and try to encourage them in the things of God. And the more you share, the more obstinate they become. And you say, I'm just done with it. I'm over it. I'm through it. You you know what? I would would tell you today that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some men count slowness. And he's not willing that any should perish. You keep reaching. You keep you keep sowing, you keep loving, you keep helping. Now's not the time to quit. I can see Noah on that boat, and, and uh, he's building, and people are mad at him. I got a letter from the community association not long ago. They got mad at me. They're about to find me because I didn't put my garage cans out of sight. You know, they can't be on the side of the house. They got to be in the garage or behind the house. I had, gar- I had garbage cans. Noah's got a big old boat in his front yard. You talk, you, 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 an association nightmare. I mean, they are sending letter after letter. People are cursing him and making fun of him and, and laughing at him. And, and I just got to think with all those nails being nailed, nailed, all those nails being nailed, there had to be one where he hit his finger. I, he's good, but he ain't that good. And I can just see it hitting that finger and he starts, he starts talking and I'm, it's not tongues. It's, it's, it's just not good. And, and, and then his wife gets on to him, and his kids get mad at him. And I, and I think he's just, what am I doing? I think he steps back, and he takes a breath, and he gathers himself. And he says, God, you've been so good to me, and I've been walking with you for so long. And I don't, I don't want to do anything else but serve you, and so I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to grow weary in doing good. For I know that I'm going to reap, reap a harvest if I don't faint. Why Noah? Because his culture was corrupt, yet he remained righteous. I'm not going to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm going to walk with Jesus. And, and, and you know what? I bet Noah had valleys, and I bet he had mountains. I bet there were times in his walk with God that were like, I mean... And you know what I'm talking about. The presence of the Lord felt so real. And the Bible was so alive. And worship was so powerful. And, and, and prayer was like I was talking face to face with him. But there are other times where the Bible's just not making sense. And 
worship seems so hard and God seems so distant. Valley's not, well, I'm just going to walk with God. I took my, my car to the dealer, to the, to the mechanic this week, and, and I needed tire rotation and alignment. And, and, and so he started feeling the tires, and he said, yeah, it's wearing a little bit on this side, and you need to adjust that. But as he rubbed over, he said, man, these are good tires. These, will, these are all weather. These will help you in just about every kind of weather. And I thought as he, as he did that, that's the kind of faith I want. I want faith that's all weather. I just don't want to serve God in the good weather, and, and I just don't want to run to him in the bad weather. I, I, just want to, I just want to walk with God. I just want to serve Jesus. I, and I know there'll be times where I trip and I stumble, but the righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. I just want to take the hand of Jesus, fix my eyes on the cross, and go after him with everything that I have. In a culture that's corrupt, I want to remain righteous. I want to remain righteous. In a culture that's corrupt, I want you to live righteous. And if Noah did it, you can do it by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do it. Here's the other thing. His call was unprecedented, yet he obeyed. Here, here's, you, know, you know how you love God? You want to know if you love God? It's not how high your hands are raised in worship. It's not how loud you are in worship. It's not the size of your Bible. Here's what God says. This is love for God, to keep his commandments. And his commands are not burdensome. They're not there to hinder you. They're not there to hold you back. They're not there to press you down. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And if you want to obey God, if you want to love God, it means keeping his commands, honoring him. Here's the last thing. His commitment was tested, yet he remained faithful. He who endures to the end will be saved. Many of you are ready to quit, but you're right. Your miracle is right, right around the corner. Now's not the time to quit. You're going to want to feel like quitting. But I'm declaring, don't. Keep going after God. Keep, keep serving him. Keep loving him. Walk with God. Obey his word. And don't quit. Walk with God. Obey his word. And don't quit. Amen, everybody.